Hi everyone. Before we get started today, I want to talk to you about our newest partner, BetterHelp. Throughout my own grieving process, I have found therapy to be critical in getting me to the point where I am today, and I truly cannot imagine getting through this past year without it. Uh, a lot of the world is still in some sort of quarantine or phased opening, and BetterHelp is a perfect platform for accessing therapy during this time because you can do it from wherever you are. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist, and you can have your first session scheduled in as little as 24 hours, which is huge. I know for a lot of people, you hit a roadblock in starting therapy because there's a pressure to really find the right fit. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. It's really easy to change a counselor if you feel like you want a better fit. The therapist you're matched with is available weekly, but you can send messages anytime through the app and get responses between sessions, which makes such a big difference, especially when you are processing a loss. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and they also have financial aid available, which I love and is one of the reasons that I decided to partner with them. We have a special offer for the Grief Coach listeners where you'll get 10% off your first month at trybetterhelp.com slash thegriefcoach. That's T-R-Y-B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash The Grief Coach. You can join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. Investing in yourself is so important. If you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you know how much I prioritize doing the work to get through the grief process and BetterHelp is a wonderful platform to leverage to do so. Go to trybetterhelp.com slash the grief coach to get started. Uh, Hi everyone, this is Brooke James. Welcome to the grief coach. If you have listened before, I'm so glad to have you back and it's, it's your first time listening. Welcome. Uh, today, I am really excited. We have Christina Andriola from New Narrative Memorials out of Vancouver. And uh, thanks so much for being here, Christina. Oh, thanks for having me. I've been a longtime listener, first time guest. So this is um, really exciting. And, and I, I love what you're doing on the podcast. And yeah, I love to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here. So just for context for the audience, Christina and I met on Instagram where all good relationships <laughs> flourish in 2020. And there's that like death, tech, death, yeah, like, grief thing happening on Instagram. Yeah. And so that's where we got connected. And we had talked about doing some events together and then the pandemic happened. And so now that's not happening. But one of the reasons I wanted you to come on is because you're doing a lot of really exciting, like new things in the end of life. So why don't we start with, you can give the audience some background about who you are, what you're doing, how you got started. Yeah, absolutely. So I am Christina and I am the owner of a company called New Narrative Memorials. And for those of you who want to look it up, N-E-W-N-A-R-R-A-T-I-V-E. And it is an event planning company um, based in Vancouver that specializes in celebrations of life 
and alternative memorial events. So for if your family is, is doing a celebration of life and wants the assistance and expertise of an event planner, um, then you would hire me and we would do go through the motions like you would for any event, any other event that you would host. So we'll talk about the kind of event that you want, um, your person. We'll talk about different ways to infuse some creativity and personality into this one day. And, and I'm sure we'll get into talking about it, but there's, there's so many little logistics that you and your family will need to take care of in preparation for this. And it's already hard planning an event, let alone in the middle of grief and in the middle of settling in a state and just having somebody trusted in your corner has been so helpful with the families that I've worked with so far. So I got started in this about three years ago. My usual story is that I am Italian and I have a big family and my uncle died three years ago. So after his death, my mom voluntold me that I was going to handle the logistics of the ceremony. So working with the funeral director closely, I was able to do a master of ceremony script, get together some caterers, do a slideshow, make sure that everybody knew what was going on. My uncle's my uncle's uncle wanted to play the bagpipes, and so it was just getting schedules and all those logistics figured out. And after the event happened, I realized how necessary of a service this is and should be and how I could make a difference in the events industry. So I created New Narrative and it's been a very interesting ride these last few years. I'm just kind of figuring out market like difficult things like marketing and how to partner and where how an alternative service like this best fits in the ecosystem of the end of life profession and that funeral world because I'm not a funeral director I am not a celebrant I'm an event planner yeah it's been it's been very fascinating and so I've met some great people through reimagine which is the event that that you were talking about that we were supposed to be at this year reimagine end of life and there are a lot of really exciting initiatives happening right now and like I was telling you earlier there I think there's no better time to talk about end of life wishes and just about preferences and life itself. I think that coronavirus almost gives us an opportunity to have these uncomfortable conversations because from a lot of what we know of the people who have really severe cases from when symptoms are onset to when people go into the hospital, it's very quick if your case is that severe. And so it's really important to be able to, or just having the opportunity to use something as a catalyst to have this really uncomfortable conversation. I feel like all I talk about with anybody is coronavirus right now. And so it's a really, if you have not had these conversations with your loved ones yet, it's a nice jumping off point because it's something that kind of everyone's thinking about. You and I have had a lot of discussions around end of life wishes Mm -hmm. and like how that should work and why it's so important for people to figure out what they want and what their loved ones want. But I think specifically around funeral planning, the thing that's so tricky is that the one person that you want to ask, you can't ask. And so it's really, do you do pre-planning work ever with people or do you just do once someone has passed? The majority of my clients have been after someone has passed. However, 
a friend, a close friend of mine had a loss in his family and recognized that he didn't want his mom or his sister to have to deal with those logistics. And so last year he asked me if I would work with him to develop a plan for his his celebration. And he had some very specific requests and a specific vision. And, and I was like, why not? Let's, let's get together and we'll talk about this. I think the only difference between planning for someone who is still living and, and someone who is not living is the analogy that I bring up with uh, people all the time is like, say for a wedding, for example, like a context that a lot of people know and can relate to. Like when you have a wedding, you have two people who the bride and the groom or, or groom, groom, bride, bride, who are making these decisions for themselves. And they're able to, you know, if you don't agree with something, it's like, Oh, it's their decision. I'm, whatever, I'll deal with it because it's them. But when you have, when you're making a decision for someone who's deceased, it's like you have a different relation to that person than I do. Or like say, like my uncle, for example, I would have different and a different idea to what his ideal celebration would be like than my aunt would, or than his parents would, or you have a lot more uh, well, and different people need different things when they're grieving. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so like gravitate they, towards different things when they're grieving. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like the very first one that I did was a, an 80s memorial for a woman who said to her kids, like, and I quote, I don't want an effing sob fest. I just want a big party. And the kids were very adamant and they were like, we're going to host a party and it's going to be 80s and it's going to be amazing. And it was and. And, uh, you know, I particularly enjoyed the $600 of Panago, uh, like delivery pizza that we had brought to the event, like at 1130 at night when everyone, you know, had engaged in, in some libations. Drinking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it, like, it's so important to at least write some ideas down or even like, I, I have a, a big thing about this too, but just to let someone know what your preference would be so that at least if there's any question that some, they, the people who are handling the event or your affairs or whatever you want to call it, um, that they have like a guide to go on. And I think it's just as important to mention if you don't care about something or if something is not important to you, because I don't know if I had to make some decisions on behalf of somebody else and say they, it was a nothing burger or they just didn't care about a particular thing, but I thought that they had put a lot of, like a lot Important. of importance on that. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that could be something too. So just like putting it out there and it might be weird, but just saying, like my preferences or this is the kind of the kind of vibe that I want or or this is a place that was really important to me is at least something that your family can use to to go off of in the future yeah yeah Yeah, like you don't they don't have to follow it to a t and quite frankly you won't be there in most cases to see it followed to a t so it's just a, a guideline for them to use But I think even knowing and saying, I want more of a celebration of life, which I think more and more people are moving towards that Mm -hmm. versus the traditional funeral um, versus I want a church. I want like to go have an open casket in a funeral home. Like 
I know for the few funerals I've been to, most have been more like celebration of life. Mm -hmm. And I've never been to something in a funeral home, but I've been to like burials and stuff. Yes. So it just, I don't know, like different people want different things, but having those conversations is so important. And I think now if we could pivot the conversation to what so many people are having to deal with, which is virtual gathering. Yeah, absolutely. Because (laughs) it's like, I can't imagine. And like, we were talking about this before I recorded and I've been thinking about this a lot of like, thank God that like this wasn't happening when my dad was sick because being able even for like people to come in and say goodbye to him and like having the funeral and like being able to hug people like if you find out someone really important to you died and you're self-isolating alone like no one can hug you and so what sort of guidance are you putting together and if you can tell the audience around virtual like remembrances and like anything there yeah absolutely it's it's definitely it's so tricky and kudos to all of the professionals out there who are working so 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 hard to pivot their services. I know for doulas you know it's it's finding new and and creative ways to to be with your people when you can't be there physically. So whether yeah. that's the use of technology or FaceTime or I'm hearing about hospitals getting shipments of iPads for loved ones to yeah. be close be to each other to. or to say goodbye. Yeah, and and I'm not I'm not an expert in in grief, like that's why that's why you're here. Um, <laughs> this is the perfect this the the whole industry, what I'm trying to say is the whole death care industry right now is like working overtime to help families and to to crack the code if you will of how we can support each other and how we can support you and your families virtually while you are not physically able to be with each other. So I know a couple of weeks ago when or I think 3 weeks ago now when when coronavirus started becoming this bit larger thing like before it was declared a big pandemic um, in North America I was talking with a couple of my colleagues that I met through Reimagine or through Instagram and uh, one of them, my colleague, Allie Briggs at LifeWeb360, we came up with the idea to put together a resource guide for families and for funeral directors. There are two different guides um, to teach them how to use Zoom and, and go through our best practices and our tips for you and your family if you were faced with planning a virtual memorial. Mm-hmm. So it's because I've said in the last couple of days, like technology is already complex to a certain extent like if you need to use zoom and you've never used it before it's it's really hard and then adding on grief and this pandemic and all of these these other things that people are anxious about and worried about it's like it's a it's a bigger problem than it it seems like it is so we've created this step-by-step guide that has pictures and that has bullet points and and chapters so it's very easy to read and easy to go through because there's also a lot of information being put out there in the world right now with coronavirus and with grieving and and with death care and like everybody and their their dog is releasing like an ebook or a pdf but yeah to have something that's tangible that you can look at and to follow these step-by-step instructions. So what sort of, 
Yeah. So what sort of things are in there? If you can tell the audience of like, because I think most of the people listening are not in the death care industry. So they would not be someone who would be planning a funeral. They would be someone who would be attending for um, sure, or potentially like planning from the family side, not from the professional side. So yeah, absolutely. Some of those best practices. Sure. um, Yeah. Yeah. So we've also got a a two pager that's how to attend a virtual memorial. So there's a third document that I wasn't mentioning. And there's, there's a few infographics that we've put out as well. I'll send you all of these links so you can put them in the, I've always wanted to say this. So they'll be included in the show notes below. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll send you all of these links, but yeah, it's like step one, go to zoom.us. Step two, this is what the top bar looks like. Click join a meeting. Step three, this is what your meeting ID will look like. Like, for example, if it's Zoom, this is what your meeting ID will look like. Click on this. If you're having trouble connecting, then this is what you should do. And uh, on that note, actually, I will talk about a couple of strategies that we suggest for you to use with those who are not able to either use a computer or an iPad or say they're in located in a remote area. And if zoom is just not their thing, like zoom has this function where you can call in. So in every invitation, it will give you a phone number. And so one of my best, our best practices is that you like for elderly people or people who are in an area without Wi-Fi, like give them a call a couple of days before the service is going to start and then make sure that they've written down the phone number and that they're comfortable with calling in and maybe do a practice run with them so that they're all ready to go for when that event happens. So if they, or you can do a setting where you have the video showing and then you can use your phone to call in so people can see you and then on Zoom specifically, there's another little box where it just shows up as gray and shows your phone number. And then that's the audio. So you can log in via the audio and then people can see your face. It's also worth mentioning, I think that there's a big difference between live streaming and video conferencing. So for those of you out there who have not thought about this before, a video conference is something like Zoom where you can see everybody on... That who's who's attending the meeting virtually, whereas a live stream is just a one camera stream of what's going on. So think Facebook Live, think like a sports telecast. Like a webcast, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then a video conference is like Zoom or Google Hangouts, or Google Meet, or um, any kind of software like that. I just use Zoom and Google Hangouts because those are the two uh, most popular, but there are a lot of services out there. Mm-hmm. A lot of apps too. Yeah. And, and it can be, it can be pretty overwhelming. So that's why it's helpful to talk to somebody like me or like Allie from LifeWeb or any other, or, or like you, or to you, which is perfect. Cause you know, it's, it's a great gateway into all these other professionals out there. Yeah. So when someone is planning end of life, virtual gathering, what sort of things should they keep in mind that are different than planning an in-person event or like what kind of guidance are you giving people if any that relates to that I think the biggest one if they want to plan a video conference where the format is the same like you have people different people saying speeches and maybe a performer maybe like a group toast is just to not only get that together ahead of time but to have a technical rehearsal with everybody 
So whether it's a little bit before the scheduled event or the day before, it's just getting, making sure that everybody is comfortable with how the transition work, transitions work, um, yeah. making sure everybody's comfortable with using their microphones if they have to share their And screen. then muting their microphones. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And just that they're all comfortable using this platform because when it comes to showtime, um, I also suggest that the family... The family does not take care of the technical direction yeah. um, that you can, you can just go and, and be present at this, this video conference and that the technical direction is not reliant, like the, is not based on the master of ceremonies so that the, the MC, your technical director and the family are three separate entities. So you'll want to have someone, my best recommendation for everybody is just making sure there's someone, whether it's the funeral director or another hired person or a friend of the family, or maybe someone from your extended family who's able to be that technical person to manage that so that your master of ceremonies isn't, you know, like juggling their, their speech on one side of the monitor and then trying to unmute everybody on the other side of the monitor or that, you know, it's like, Oh, this person's screen so that they're not troubleshooting at the same time, or they're not asked answering questions in the chat box. Um, so that's my biggest recommendation. Two recommendations is one to host a technical rehearsal and to assign these two very important roles to different people. The third thing I will say is that the functions in Zoom can be used for can be used after the the event ends as well. So for example, the chat box can be used during and I would encourage people to if if they're not speaking during the event to write an anecdote or write a story or write a memory in the chat box because the chat box on something like zoom can be saved at a later date like a virtual guest book absolutely yeah and then you can so nice yeah yeah and you can choose to to reformat them and print them out for for your event later on down the road but just knowing that that chat box can be downloaded and presented afterwards or be sent to the the family for for those written stories. I will also say to all of you listening and to you, Brooke, that if you're using Zoom, Zoom does record private chats. Yes. (laughs) Uh, If um, you chat with someone privately, it will be saved in the master chat file. Yeah. So (laughs) I saw this online and put it out as a PSA because how often have people kind of like trash talked in their Mm -hmm. whatever chat they use while they're on a conference call? And I think people probably do that in Zoom. And then people, if they're recording or downloading, will be able to see. So that's a great PSA. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, yeah, I can see a few ways how this could potentially go wrong. But just as long as... And actually, this, this goes into another good tip that I have is you can also mention this to your attendees beforehand. So the fourth tip, so third tip was chat box. Fourth tip is to give your master of ceremonies a list of housekeeping notes to mention before everything gets started. So these housekeeping notes can be, can include, you know, an acknowledgement of everybody coming, um, maybe coming during COVID, like an acknowledgement that this is a weird time or you certainly phrase it however you'd like to, but that this this is not it's an unconventional. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to thank everybody for their patience and just just 
just something to acknowledge the time. I also recommend that if you are recording the the call or the video conference to let everybody know that they're going to be on camera. So if you haven't done this during the in the event invitation, just to let them know that, you know, their camera is on and maybe to do really easy, like this is how you turn your microphone off or how to turn your camera off for anybody that's not speaking so that if they don't want to, if they need a moment or if they don't want to be shown at a particular uh, point in time, then they can easily stop their video. Yeah. Um, and then of course with the chat box, like if there's anything there, um, I would also, if it has not been included in the invitation beforehand, I would also just do a, here's who's speaking first, second, third, fourth, and have a performer. And then, you know, if there's a toast or something at the end, then to, then we're, we're going to give everybody a minute to get their, their prop or their, their drink or their peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which I actually was part of a virtual memorial run through a few weeks ago where they had a PB and J toast. That's so cute. The dad loved PB&J and ate it every single day for lunch for 35 years. And it was like, okay, everybody, before you come to this memorial, like here are the housekeeping notes and you should also bring a PB&J. A PB&J? <laughs> oh my God, that's so cute. Well, that's such yeah. like a nice personal touch, I think, to something that yeah. like frankly can seem impersonal for a lot of people. Yeah. So yeah. that's so nice that they did that. And I think your point about... Sh- being sure people know how to shut their cameras off, mm-hmm. I think is really important. So I don't think we've talked about this, but my dad's one year was last week and we had a really good family friend who reached out and she was like, I feel like we should do a zoom and just like talk about him. And I was like, okay. And then I like really had, and I so appreciated that she reached out and wanted to do this, but I don't want to be on camera crying alone in my apartment and for a couple different reasons we like didn't end up doing it but I really had this thought process of that doesn't sound fun or comforting to be alone and on camera like a wreck and so being sure people know how to turn off their camera yeah great tip because for some people and it's just like it's showing a level of vulnerability that like frankly everyone is feeling like everyone will be upset who's at this but I think for a lot of people being on camera upset like that doesn't seem appealing what what are you talking about yeah so I just (laughs) like being sure people know how to do that I think will make people more comfortable because I think like there's a lot of maybe anxiety is the wrong word but like apprehension when people go to funerals because like they're sad like it's being vulnerable in public and like it's acknowledging this terrible thing really happened and doing all of that in a way that is new for so many of us yeah like it's a pivot and so I think like however you can make people the most comfortable with this like new technology portion of it is really important yeah. Um, so absolutely. I think those are all great tips. Yeah. And it's nice. It's nice to have that option to, yeah, to not be, to be present, but to not be present. Like, like the equivalent of the sunglasses at the, at the Exactly. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I remember it was so cool. Like, you know, I knew somebody who bought a special pair of sunglasses for the 
funeral date because they were like, you know what? This is the one thing I'm going to do for myself. And I'm going to get a really nice pair of glasses so I can wear them and I can look, I can look great while I'm like grieving Yeah, and, and just to make themselves feel like a little bit of comfort. But yeah. And then something else that I recommended today in another thread for some professionals that I never thought of before, but you know, take it or leave it is if, if different groups, like different clubs or associations or something that your, your person was a part of, if they want to have a gathering to like share stories and remember and the family for whatever reason, either can't be involved or does not want to be involved. Like who's to say that, you know, you can't take it upon yourself to get people together and like talk about this person or have, have something and then share that recording with the family at a later date. Like, Hey, we all got together. We really wanted to talk about this or like have a little event like in their yeah. memory. And, you know, you're invited if you, if you want to, or, or don't want to come, that's fine. But yeah, we'd still like to get together and we we're happy to record it. I don't know. I, I don't know. I thought about that this morning and it's like, it requires a little bit more thought, but I think that's nice. Or even just like writing things out. Like I love when people share stories about my dad still. And so like, that's so nice. And because the one year was coming up, I got a lot of phone calls from like his friends, which was very nice. And the first time it happened, I was like, oh, and it kind of like caught me off guard. But these people miss him. And it's, I think, nice for the bereaved to hear that people miss the person who's passed away, especially yeah. a year later. Um, yeah. And that's also something I like about being able to facilitate these memorial events in whatever way. It's like, at the end of the day, you're getting all of these people who haven't either haven't met each other or they haven't seen each other in, you know, like 10 minutes or 10 years. And you've got them all under the same roof and they're all there to pay their respects and, and share these memories with not only your family, but, you know, with, with themselves and with each other and to, sh- to share their, their unique perspective. And yeah, as a family member, you don't want to be worrying about whether the, the slideshow stopped playing or the catering should be out or the music is too loud or the lights need to be turned up. And like, that's a, that's one of the biggest pieces of value that I bring to the table. Cause yeah, you want to be able to share and you want to have that moment with your community. And, and you just want to like focus. Events. I remember, and thank God we did, I outsourced to my cousin's husband getting the slideshow to work. Mm. And there were a lot of technical difficulties in getting it to work. And like, I didn't have to worry about any of it. Yeah. Then like my cousin who is in interior design and events and it's like very brilliant, did so much of the planning for the service and the dinner before that it was really helpful to not have to think about it. So if you're in a position to be able to outsource those things the same way you get a day of person for a wedding yeah you get a day of person for the funeral absolutely wow. absolutely and it's just like and during the planning process it's like I will absolutely help you with to-dos and I understand like from my own experience and talking to other people I understand that doing things it can be a part of the grieving process and can be very healing for the family like if you are tasking yourself for getting a particular style of guest book that is something I will happily assign to you. I'll check in with you to see how that's going. And if on the day before or a couple days before you decide that you can't do it, then someone like me will step in and will say, I'll take care of all of this for you. I'll pick up the flowers. 
I will, you know, I'll pick up that guest book. You can't handwrite, you know, six name cards for reserved seating. I'll do that for you. Like I'll print them out. I'll be there to set everything up and, you know, just like meet everybody when they, when they do eventually come early and yeah, because they all come early, which is something I realized very early on. It's like, oh, we, you know, ceremony starts at two, but you have people coming definitely at one o'clock and some people even 1245 and it's like an hour early. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I always, in the timelines that I create, I'm always there at least two and a half hours early if I can be. And then I'll let everybody know that, you know, the room should be ready for guests to arrive at least an hour early. Cause yeah, you have those people who come and they're not, you know, whether they're concerned about traffic or they want to be there early or just want to, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like people, yeah, people are grieving like for whatever reason it's, Hey, I, I don't know, but I just know that they, they do come early. So having the music set and everything on the tables, and especially if you don't have the actual ceremony room or space, like say you have an outdoor hallway that you're, you're having some memorabilia on. And then the ceremony is in a separate auditorium, like close the doors to the auditorium, but make sure that outdoor hallway is set up so that people can have something to do. Yeah. Yeah. And like, put music on in the, all you need is like music and one or two memorabilia tables out there with some programs, a card box, maybe the guest book or whatever activity you want them to do just to make sure that the early people have something to go to. Cause yeah, even though people know each other and they want to share stories, like it can be hard getting, you know, getting settled in. And so I, I find that little things like music and a running slideshow is a really nice icebreaker, a nonverbal icebreaker for people to get get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any other like advice on either attending virtual gatherings, what to think about when planning? Yeah. Um, just I've, like any guidance for people to navigate this new weird landscape that frankly, I think we're going to be in longer than any of us would like to be yeah Um, it's just like acknowledging that it's super weird is is (laughs) okay like it's it's weird and it's okay and it's such an awful time to be losing people for so many reasons and it's we need our communities and I don't mean to plug my services but I'm just I'm launching something called an ask me I'm launching something called an ask me anything which I think will be really helpful so if anybody just needs like of course I have packages to help families with virtual memorials and I can facilitate and I can you know help you do to-do lists and stuff but if you just need an hour to talk with someone talk with an event planner about something or if you need some resources or if you need guidance or like you need a slideshow done or whatever, you can hire me for an hour and we'll just have a conversation and about any kind of virtual details. Or if you want me to talk to your master of ceremonies, I can do that or help you with a collaborative playlist or show you around zoom. No. And I think that's so great because people don't, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. It's a weird, like planning funeral is a weird thing anyway. Oh yeah. 
to be doing um, it virtually. Like so it's yeah. nice to just be like, well, what do other people do? And is this normal? Yeah. And like, we're thinking about this. Will this even work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then even just the question, like, what do people do or what's normal in this situation? Like, I understand that this is an event that no, you have never planned before. Like, this is an event that you, that is unlike any event that you've ever planned or attended. And that's my policy. I'm starting to make this my policy and like my mission of some sort. But it's that I come into every meeting with a blank notebook and an open mind. I'm ready for notes and I'm also ready to meet you wherever you are emotionally or if you have a sense of a sick sense of humor or if you're really distraught or however you want to show up is like it's very important to me for people to know that it's it should be very accessible and that mm-hmm. I one of the things that I say is that if you if you're nervous about saying something I've either asked it googled it suggested it or joked about it and so it's Um, yeah, just to be there as a resource for families to say something about the time of Corona. It's that we're now understanding that there doesn't need to be a time limit for celebrating somebody's life. So I know that a lot, there are a lot of religions and a lot of of customs and a lot of uh, traditional elements that go into when a body needs to be buried or taken care of. But at the end of the day, when it comes to memorializing or celebrating somebody's life, it's, you can do that a week later. You can do that two months later. You can do that a year later. You can pick a special date where everybody can come together. So I would say there's no time limit and there's no rush to do a memorial service or a, yeah. or a funeral service. And there's lots of things that families can do in the meantime to stay connected with each other until they're ready to gather again in the future. So like contributing pictures to a a shared Dropbox or contributing to a playlist or coming up with a slideshow to send to everybody or little updates or just casual, like, okay, we're going to meet on the third of or every two weeks to have a quick toast and just a check-in in honor of this person or something like that. Yeah. And like, I can help with any of these or you can look at the PDF, um, whatever is most helpful. I think that's so great. And I think that it is so important for people to see and what I'm hoping coronavirus can help people see is that there is, to your point, not a timeline because Mm -hmm. like, so I think we did my dad's service a month after he died, but we buried him six months later. He was cremated. And Like it was, I think for some of us, it was nice to have the time spread out. But then for some of us, it was like, okay, no, I already like, I don't know if I can go back there. So I think there's like pluses and minuses, but even like technology is so helpful in how we do this. So I sent out the funeral slideshow to everyone on the 10th Mm -hmm. because I didn't think everyone had it. So that was the one year was last Friday. And, um, everyone and I sent it to like some of his friends and I sent it to my family and everyone was just like so grateful to be able to have that and like yeah what a nice thing to like have technology facilitate so I think people will learn to rely on it in ways they can and it's such a great connector but then also are seeing that like it is not a replacement for some other things yeah for sure a hug like I think that having like a real like an in-person event like allows for that human connection in a way that 
technology doesn't, but then technology allows people to come who wouldn't have been able to come. So there's pros and cons to each. And I think just people need to understand that death and grief are emotional and messy and that's okay. And none of this is going to be perfect, but it's going to be as good as it can. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We'll put all of your stuff in show notes. Um, yeah. And show notes below. Yes. And if you want to tell people um, where to find you online on social and your website. Sure. So again, my website is newnarrative.ca, N-E-W-N-A-R-R-A-T-I-V-E. And I can be found on Instagram at New Narrative Memorials. I'm happy to answer emails or DMs or talk to anybody about this stuff. I feel so passionately about about these topics and I want to help as best I can. And on my website, you can also download both of these resources. So the I have a special COVID-19 page that you can submit your email and download the most up-to-date version of the the free specialized eBooks. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank Um, Thank you everyone for listening. You can find us on social at the underscore grief coach and www.thegriefcoach.co. Please rate, review, uh, subscribe and follow anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks.